2: Through the stories that define the artists playing Bono. Who are they? What are they?
0: What will you see? The What? Which bands? This year that matter. With Brad Steiner and Barry Corter. Wide awake and ready for season two of the What Podcast. The What Podcast, a podcast for Bonnaroovians, by Bonnaroovians. That's Perry Quarter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press. I'm Brad Seiner from Hits 96 WDOD Radio in Chattanooga. 20 weeks away from Bonnaroo, which means 20 shows for you, give or take, I don't know, 15 or so. <laughs> <laughs> Just depending on how much energy we have. Exactly. How wide awake are we going to be for season two? How Will we stay woke? Well, I think so.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'm feeling woke.
0: You feel woke? I feel woke. Man, for, for an old man Lift. like you to be woke, woke <laughs> you're really an inspiration, man. Well, you kids keep me young. Do man. I? Do we? That's yeah. very nice. Uh, speaking of kids, we've got a, a, young, a young one on today, a Bonnaroo newbie on the show today to start season two. Uh, we thought that we would uh, open the floor to somebody who's never really been to Bonnaroo before. Oh, yeah? I'm kidding.
1: I thought so. Yeah.
0: a <laughs> sarcasm. I thought so. I'm not, apparently, I'm not as woke as I thought I was. Yeah. We thought that the best way to uh, start season two is to, before we got into the artist, before we got into what uh, this year, 2019, has to offer for us, we thought that we'd get a behind-the-scenes view of it, take of it, and what the thought process of putting this festival on for what year? 16, 17?
1: Yeah, since 2002. You know, last year we had Ashley Caps on, uh, sort of to fill that
0: role, and this year I think we got uh,
1: someone just as knowledgeable and just as uh, had just as much information. Maybe not as Ashley, since he's the co-founder the, but, yeah uh,
0: his name is on the thing uh, yeah yeah jeff Quayar
1: is who we're talking about jeff is uh vice president of what would we call it what
0: did we what uh was? strategic operations i think is what <laughs> the title planning was.
1: or something yeah it's a big long title and he talks about that but uh it was really interesting talking to him and hearing some of the behind the scenes stuff he says a lot of the things that we have said now for going on year two what makes bonnaroo a different festival uh, but to hear it from his perspective
0: I thought was uh, was really good. If you are a Bonnaroo junkie and not so much a junkie about the artists and the playlists and stuff like that, if you're really like into the minutia of how this thing is put together, if you're one of those guys on InfoRoo trying to figure out what exactly this machine is and how it's put together, I thought this conversation was phenomenal. Yeah. He gave us so many Easter eggs and so many bits of information that sort of put the whole thing together. There's all these puzzle piece is missing if you really listen to his conversation and and listen to things that he says he drops a lot of information on you if you're one of these guys that tries to figure out the mechanics of all of this
1: you know we've talked about that we've paid attention to that you and i are both are veterans from almost the beginning while it seems on the one hand that everything is very planned and that they've had this long-term plan which they have adapted Mm. over time. Uh, You remember he talks about, as we all saw three, four years ago when the numbers started dropping, Mm -hmm. he talks about why. The fact that there were so many new festivals and people had Mm -hmm. choices and they needed to adapt. They needed to figure out how to do that. He talks about the infrastructure. You'll hear we laugh about planting grass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, planting trees and things like that that uh, that I don't think especially first-timers you wouldn't why would you you would never think yeah think about that but for those of us that remember the Dust Bowl days right the grass is a huge thing
0: Man, I'll I'll never forget, standing, uh, I was on the bleachers, and the bleachers were, they used to have bleachers, I don't know if they had last year, but they used to have bleachers right in front of the witch stage. They still do. They do, okay. VIP. I was standing at the very top level of those uh, bleachers for iron and wine, and I looked back, and I saw that year the dust that was just covering. I couldn't see 20 feet in front of me. Unbelievable how far it's come from from those days, just as an infrastructure project. That was about my... Second or third year, and they used to have a parade on Saturday evening.
1: Everyone would kind of go back to their camp, shower, regroup whatever and then the evening would start it was myself and our photographer at the time we did just that we followed the parade and walked into center and i thought wow this is this is really big time they've set off smoke (laughs) (laughs) they've got smoke machines to have this parade and then we realized it was dust yeah people were in bandanas around their nose it might have been smoke no it was the dust and i remember thinking i'm i've I've got legionnaire's disease (laughs) i'm going home with legionnaire's (laughs) It was bad.
0: So to reset a little bit, this is a, a podcast mostly about Bonnaroo, The What. If you have uh, just found us or have you have been around forever, thank you very much. I'm Brad. That's Barry. We're just some uh, some Bonnaroo vets who like talking about Bonnaroo. And if this is your first time uh, joining us, uh, we hope to meet you at Bonnaroo. Hope that you can reach out to us at thewhatpodcast.com or at the what underscore podcast on Twitter. We love communicating with you, and if you drop us a line on our website, we'll uh, enter you in for uh, tickets. And yes, we do have tickets to give away this year, again, just like last season. Just as a couple of housekeeping matters before we get into our chat with Jeff Quayar, which, by the way, I am consistently blown away with how free people are with their time when it comes to talking to us. Jeff Quayar gave us 50 minutes, man. This is a busy dude. Yeah. To, to spend 50 minutes on the phone with anybody, I don't remember the last time I did that. Yeah, um, so for him to do it is an enormous uh, task. So it, all the gratitude to him. Uh, secondly, this year on the, on the show, because we have 20 weeks to cover, we were thinking about opening it up a little bit. We want to open it up to some other festivals and some other experiences that we like and that might be able to shine some light on... The festival experience in general. So, in the upcoming weeks, I hope that we can uh, start to dive into some other experiences, some other shows, some other festivals. I start talking about some other artists that may be playing some other festivals, and maybe even get some people on the phone that organize and run some of these festivals. Yeah, I think it's a great idea. We talked, Jeff, you'll hear we talk a little bit about Moon
1: River, which is a festival that AC runs that is here in Chattanooga uh, as one comparison. But there are a lot of others. And I don't know that we, I don't think we want to compare while we're doing these Shows it's just more of a like you said these are different ways that different festivals operate and then different experiences
0: they all have a specific reason to exist right exactly. and and to be able to differentiate that over and over and over makes you understand it a lot easier I think exactly um, so I'd like to do that this year if we can maybe pick off a couple of weeks here and there to talk about some other festivals uh, that'd be nice but of course our our focus is going to be of course with Manchester and Bonneroo. and again. If you want to reach out and give us any suggestions, or you want to talk about any artists, hit us up the What underscore Podcast on Twitter or at the What podcast.com. All right, so let's get into uh, Jeff Quayar and see how this festival has gotten so big and so important over its almost two decades of bringing us magic to Manchester. I want to go to
2: the excitement on the answer has just gotten me amplified. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> boy. I was coming in a little flat, but you just hit me with straight fire right there. And uh, I'm like, I mean, let's do
0: this. Man, yeah, I, I, it. I, I came in a little hot, huh? I came in a little <laughs> hot. You, you came in extremely hot, but I love it. Okay. My, my energy was starting to deplete. Now, i have well, run a mile. Believe me, after I uh, have to explain your uh, enormous title at AC Entertainment, I'm going to be spent. I will be <laughs> gassed. <laughs> And I'm done. <laughs> once, once I say the and vice done. president of strategic partnerships from AC Entertainment, Jeff Quayar. Hello, sir. It
2: used to be worse than that. That's that's my better title.
0: Is it really? No, what does that mean actually, by the way? Just just for, you know, for giggles.
2: It's all it's all smoke and mirrors. I don't like to tell anybody. Right. <laughs> if, I, if I tell you, then we you know we've got problems.
0: The best the best job title is one that has just been created on the fly. Those exactly. are really uh, the most ideal work situations.
2: <laughs> well, I, where my title comes into it's. it's quite funny. Uh, they don't have one for Bono because... I'm the product of having been there for so long that I've accumulated work versus what I do for AC Entertainment specifically is I handle all of our revenue-generating streams outside of ticket sales and merch. Yeah. gotcha. So, so. Uh, so that's where strategic partnerships comes in. So it can be sponsorship. It can be our partnership in terms of accumulations with the city. It can be enhanced experience like VIP, platinum, that type of stuff, concessions, those other types of things. But with, with Bonnaroo specifically, man, I do, I do so many damn weird positions. I mean, I used to oversee catering somehow vehicle operations are still in my in my purview so
1: you're the guy Um, we call for the golf cart, huh so so jeff your title is get (laughs) jeff to do it
2: yeah (laughs) that's you know we we joked in bonnaroo land from the very beginning when you came up with a great idea you just gave yourself more work yeah
0: yeah. um so it's like thanks for volunteering that
2: was your idea then then way to go like nashville shuttle that that was that was my idea and and i'm still running it to this day, and let's be honest, I don't do shuttle programs for any of
0: our other festivals. Man, last last year I would have came up with a job title for myself and said, uh, artist relations for nothing but Dua Lipa. Uh, whatever she needs, I'm going to have... You know what? I guess I can take this job. Yeah, I can do that. Dua Lipa if I need to. I can, that sounds good. Let me, let me say...
1: Jeff, thanks for doing this, but this is important because this is why we're talking to you is because you do wear a lot of hats up there, so you're going to be able to answer a lot of the questions that we're going to have. So
2: All of my questions I'll be answering in the form of a question, so be prepared
1: for that. You're very good at this, so I'm ready for it. Well,
0: so. first off, <laughs> first off, congratulations on the rollout. You ha- you guys have to be extremely pleased at the reaction because when I look around at some of the headlines, aside from just like, here's who's playing Bonner but some of the headlines are some that I haven't seen in a couple of years. Most popular Bonnaroo lineup in years. Weirdest in years, and that's in a good way. Bonnaroo is back. Headline after headline, the, the press back <laughs> to you guys got to be, I guess, heart-thawing.
2: Uh, it is. I mean, I, and, I, and I probably would love to quote, though, you know, um, what Prince uh, when, when he was asked at time, you know, how do you feel about um, Justin like bringing Sexy back? And his, his response was, it never left. <laughs> um, kind of <laughs> quoting himself. And, you know, I would say Bonnaroo never left. It, you know, we, we, we went down some paths and have been doing some things. Uh, but what, I, what, I feel, what I'm really excited about this year, probably more than anything, is the lineup takes you on a path. So whether you're a Fish fan, a childish fan an Odessa fan, a national, whoever it may be, Post Malone, Lumineers, you have a path for you throughout the festival.
0: And then hopefully
2: you're going to deviate from that path and and challenge yourself with things that you you may not have been expecting uh, and come out with a greater appreciation for live music and what these amazing artists are out there doing. But even outside of the lineup, there are a lot of phenomenal festivals out there. And But what I think Bonnaroo is different is the experience. I mean, how many festivals do you not leave once you get there? You're sleeping there. And if you wanna party till the sun rises in the same place that you were at two o'clock in the afternoon, you can do that. If you want to jump campsites and hang out with people that are from Spain, you can do that. It's, it's all of that together. And the things we're doing out in the campgrounds and some of those incremental things we've been doing throughout the years, I think there's this recognition finally, like, wow, there is a lot here. And if I'm comparing where I'm going to spend my discretionary income, not that again, not that any of those other festivals are bad, I'm going to I'm going to go to Mecca. I'm going to go to the place where it is, you know, special, and I can really uh, disconnect for the next five days.
1: Jeff, talk talk about that transition because you and I have been talking since the beginning basically and i'm i'm one of those guys yeah. that you know has asked the how about the people complaining that it's not jam band anymore how about people that the numbers are down all those sort of things that you know the journalists have been asking um but right. this year and and I, I would say brad and i fall into this this and sorry for using the word camp but uh you know we've been there being critical and we've been there loving it and we've what last year came to the realization that the experience is as much a part of it as the lineup from the insiders point, you guys have been saying that forever. What does it feel like to now basically have the rest of us get it? If that's the, if that's the right <laughs> that way feels, to put it. It feels
2: great. <laughs> um, it, we kind of said about time. Um, I, I think that, that, that feeling was always there, but what we kind of had is, is one, a, I don't want to say um – explosion within the festival space but there definitely was a there were more options on the table i mean from your okeechobee to electric forest to fireflies i mean and, and all the you know coachellas and and lalas and i mean you name it and the options are out there i mean heck if you, you didn't start getting on the smaller stuff like your high waters your moon rivers and things along those lines there are plenty of options out there and i think what we never did a great job at doing is talking about why Bonnaroo is different and what, how that festival experience differentiates from everybody else. And I think once we started having a lot of that competition come to the table, it for us it was, we always felt like our lineup and, and what we were able to produce there was enough. You know, we, we focused on the experience and did a lot there, but, you know, we were pulling things off like the police. We know we're getting Paul McCartney out there. I, I think you, you had... You know, some of the the competitors catch up. And so why we've always had this amazing diverse lineup, you can go back to the very beginning and you look at, yeah, we had jam bands, but we also had Jurassic Five. You know, we also had reggae and Toots and the Maytals and things along those lines.
0: James Brown and you too.
2: Exactly, James Brown. It's always been the focus uh, from our standpoint is amazing live music. And every performer that's graced our stages has, has gone and has, you know, has been you know, noted as being able to put on a hell of a show, a live show. And I think it's rooted in good music. Good live music. We can debate some of the, you know, the intricacies of it, but I think that's always been the foundation, and we rooted ourselves in that. But never had to really talk about the experience and the campgrounds, and plazas, and all of those different things that make it change. That's where we can talk about it, mm-hmm. and others can't. That has been kind of a focus for ours is, is saying, okay, if everyone has the ability to get some of these artists that are out for the festivals, and we all know that pool is only so big then how can we continue to be Bonnaroo and lead and and I think that's it It, is really kind of you know showcasing what we can do experience-wise how that's different why you should be a part of that why why camping is an amazing thing versus something that you know should to make you think differently uh let's think differently in a good way the the philanthropic side of it the planet rue how we give back to the local community all of those things that kind of are intertwined into the Bonruvian spirit and soul, I think we've just now done a better job at, at really talking about it and instead of just saying, you know line up, line up, line up it's now been more hey let's talk about all these other things that true Bonruvians know but
1: well that I think that and has been the biggest shift is that that the camp the discussion about camping went from it's so hot it's a negative to, <laughs> to this is where it's so much
0: fun yeah it, and, it's a great point yeah. how do, how can you survive camp was the conversation <laughs> exactly. and now it's why would I be at camp why would there's, I leave camp yes, yeah this there's, is there's, there's so, so many things to do yeah, that's well, a whose huge, camp am I going to is a, a little huge bit different. change that's it and it's it's a great point that you make about being a slave to uh, whatever artist pool that you have to to jump in because, look, everybody's drawing from the same group, and you can get lost, and we have, everybody has, everybody that follows us has gotten lost in the year-to-year insider baseball about who's going to be where, who's playing what, mm-hmm. and why didn't they come here? But what you guys, I guess, saw more than we did, because, I don't know, it's your business, too, um, <laughs> you... You you guys did have a plan five years ago, seven years ago. You guys were thinking so much differently than where we were because we were wrapped up in, why aren't we getting this blankety blank like we used to? Why aren't we doing that? Mm-hmm. We were we lost a little bit of the focus, and you guys stayed dead, dead on the tracks and stayed consistent and didn't really worry too much about the noise. But it's finally. No, I mean, I think you're exactly right. When it does come to the lineup, though, you said something very interesting to me a few minutes ago. When you start creating lanes to the headliner, when you guys mm-hmm. put together the lineup, uh, and I had somebody from AC tell me this a couple of years ago, and I guess I understood it, but to put a finer point on it, when you guys put together a headlining bill of Post Malone, Fish, Childish Gambino, National. You then also tried to find corresponding artists that can layer within that sort of artist lane. You try to find Correct. a co- corresponding artist that can support those types of headliners. Exactly. Okay. So it's, mean, not, it's, it's not, it's, it's not it's normally it's a crash. It has to be. Yeah. So if you're a fish
2: fan and you're arriving on Thursday or Wednesday, uh, when the campground opens, what yep. is there for you? So let's think about the path for a fish fan and the kind of, I don't, I don't want to call me the expected, but what would a typical fan like to see throughout those days to know that okay, my fish dollars. This is where I want to go see fish because it's not the only place you know they have to go see it. If I'm a Chop Gambino fan, what is my path? Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. If I'm a Cardi B fan, what's my path? If I'm an Odessa fan, what is my path? And thinking about those those top couple lines as the path. And what I think our booking team does you know better than anybody is think about. If you're here, you know, even more than a city festival, um, if you're going to be on our property for, you know, four to five days, then that path is, is critical for success. Being able to look at that and, and analyze, okay, what do we have here and how does that go about? And, and you know, occasionally they let me sit in on the booking media. That's probably the one thing I don't do with the festivals. I don't book. Uh, I don't book the talent. But I do get asked some questions just because I am a music fan. And, and it's, you know, talking about, okay, if this is who I'm going to see, what else do you have for me? And being able to say, okay, here's everything for you in that bucket. Here's everything for you in this bucket. And again, I think our true Bonnarubians, they look at that path, and then they're immediately looking off to the, the tangential path. Right, and right. it's like. Where can I deviate that from that path? And then what we found through data, which is has been hilarious, is you look at the way people schedule their their lineup. Like what are they gonna go see? So you, you take pre festival, what are they what are they saying they're gonna go see? Mm-hmm. And then what did they go see?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, and it
2: just shows you where the influencers of your friends and the people you're camping with and the people you meet help you deviate from that. Whereas, you know, they may go. Uh, you know, you're talking with someone that's like, "Hey, you don't know about Ducky. We we need to go see Ducky." Yeah. And that may interrupt something else you were going to go see, and now you've discovered someone else that you may not be ready
1: for. Yeah, that. I think I think that was one of my favorite parts about talking to Ashley Ashley Caps last year. The the AC and AC Entertainment was. We asked. I think Brad asked, "Do you make a list like the rest of us?" And the answer <laughs> was yes. And how often do you stick to it? And he said, "Never, never. No right. one ever never. does. It, it never
0: works that way." But that's phenomenal that you guys actually have the physical data that can that can reinforce that feeling or that thought that uh, yeah we went we were gonna go see the uh, Avett Brothers but we found ourselves at Girl Talk that's phenomenal that you guys are actually tracking that and, and what you guys would then use for next year did you use some of that data to plan for this year uh, it helps okay but
2: I, I think the another challenge that I guess you can look at you know based from you know where we started to where we're at now technology has disrupted all of it. You know, I mean, back when Bonnaroo started, it was still your email list. It's still, you know, uh, Mm. Fish fans and some of the jam bands sending around those tapes. You know, we didn't have uh, Spotify and and that type of stuff now. So how fast an artist can explode from nobody knowing about them and, and, you know, not even having a full album out to to gaining a spot on a festival bill. And then what happens even from when they announce to when they actually play. Um, I mean, I mean, easy examples that come off the top of I my head. Even back when we had Mumford the first time, and when we had Phoenix, when we booked them to where they were at the festival, I mean, there were questions about what stage we were putting them on because their popularity exploded mm. between now and that time. And that's, that's kind of the fun, but it's also the the challenge of it because we didn't have to worry about that as much as you do now. I mean, some of these some of these artists are just in weeks. Going from, you know, club acts to, you know, potentially amphitheaters or something along those lines. And guess what? And and guess what? And guess what?
0: Your Saturday headliner is the quintessential where did he come from? Post Malone's last 12 months have been unbelievable. And you may not be a Post Malone fan, but you can't deny this kid was playing a 500 seat theater 12 months ago. 13 months ago, and now he is doing the What Stage Saturday Night of Bonnaroo. That is a phenomenal, phenomenal story. Mm-hmm. I think that I know this for sure. The only artist who ever have a number one single while they were also playing Bonnaroo was a late ad that you guys added. It might have been 2009 or something. Fun. You guys added fun at the last minute, and when they stepped on stage at this, it was on that. When they stepped on stage mm-hmm. at that, they had a number one single. That was the first time that ever happened, and you might be able to say that for the second time coming up this year.
2: I didn't know that fun fact. He's, yes. He's educated me there.
0: Uh, yeah, that, those kind of stories are, are exactly what Bonner is about. You know, We're going to jump back into the conversation with go. Jeff Cuellar here in a second. Uh, some phenomenal information that he uh, is dropping, some nuggets of brilliance that I never knew about Bonnaroo in the way that they at least organized the lineup. That I mean, that kind of stuff is phenomenal to me. We'll talk to him a little bit more here in a second, but just... Real quickly, if you uh, haven't rated or uh, reviewed the podcast, I know in the first season we didn't bring this up at all. We didn't necessarily have much of a direction or or know exactly where we were going with this, but it turns out that's sort of important. So we didn't ask anything of you last year. We didn't ask you or beg or plead for you to rate or review it, but if you haven't, that would be very, very nice of you. Now we're begging. Yeah, now I've gotten to the point where it's (laughs) it's begging time. It's come to this. Well, it's because we had such a bizarrely and I'll be honest a bizarrely huge reaction to the show the first season so I never really thought it would get there I never right. thought we would even need to be rated or reviewed now it seems like we do and the reason why it's important is that the more rates and and more ratings and reviews that you get the higher you get up on Right, the store level thing, right? So the closer you get to the top and we want to make it as easy as possible for you and your friends to listen. So if you've got friends that are tinkering with the idea of Bonnaroo or tinkering with the idea of festivals in general, or maybe like some of the artists that we talk about, then share it with them. The more people that listen, the easier it's going to be for not only you to find us, but get bigger artists artists. on the show and more access that we can get than to share with you it it makes everything a lot easier exactly as we're finding people
1: seem to like it and it it helps foster the whole bonnaroo community which is what we've discovered i think that this is what this is all about
0: that's right and the more people that we can tie into this uh, little podcast the better the Roo buses of the world the the bonnaroosters uh, the festival owls anybody that that is in our hemisphere we want to bring in as well because the more people that we have talking about Bonnaroo, the better. Because if there's anything that we learned about this show, is that boy, we really, really like talking Bonnaroo.
1: We like talking, and and I think we are surprised at how much we discover that we didn't know. Right, like the general admission camping area, the GA right. camping, the group camping. We knew nothing about till we talked to Rutang. Those guys and, and, and the Rubus and there's just so much more to Bonnaroo going and sitting in a field and watching an act
0: Right, and there's more to Bonnaroo than just the axe. Rubus, Bus, Rue Shoot, uh, Rue Tang Clan, on and on and on, those are almost as big as the acts themselves exactly. for me. You know, like those guys yeah. do something out there that's so special that I, I want to be a part of.
1: Yeah, you know? and also that it's a lot more year-round than we ever would have
0: considered. Ever would have imagined. I mean, Never. we're here at the end of January you know, saying, all right, it's time to start talking bottom. I know. We
1: never <laughs> stopped. That's the weirdest thing. We never really stopped.
0: Our guest today, Jeff Quayar, starting season number two. Jeff Quayar from AC Entertainment. Jeff,
1: I keep thinking about a couple of things you've said to me over the years and talking about being on site and how that makes a difference. Brad and I were both in Louisville at Forecastle when that storm hit, mm. came across the river, and <laughs> I, can, I can still see you running down the sidewalk. <laughs> Trying to clear the place. Hey,
2: Smith here. Yeah, uh-huh.
1: Sam Smith. Yeah, that poor guy had the fireworks going on. I mean, it, was, it was not going to happen for Sam, but but then I, it, was, it was, was
0: literally. And now here's Sam Smith. Yeah. Three, two, one. <laughs> Good night, everybody.
1: <laughs> Run for <laughs> your lives. <laughs> but I don't know if it was the next year or the one after at Bonnaroo where the storm came in late and you had to clear the site and everything was back up and running within an hour and a half. And you that said was to during Aclemore. Yeah, You said to me either that night or the first thing next morning is who else can can take an hour and a half hit like that, clear the site and be back on total schedule, you know, 90 Mm -hmm. minutes later. And and I think we talk about the fact that you're on the farm. There's nowhere else to go. Might as well go see music. But it's also that right. You're there. It it's contained, it can go around the clock, that makes it a different animal.
2: I think you're exactly right. I mean, it it really does make it a different kind of animal. Um, I mean, we look at ourselves as a city. We go from farmland to to a full city, you know, over the course of our build, and then go right back to farmland again. Um, But the fact that we're able to kind of create there and and think about it from that standpoint, that we're the seventh largest city in Tennessee for one, you know, for that that five-day period, I think is an accomplishment. And it shows that, that yes, you do have all of these other experiences are out there, but no other festival becomes a city like this and then dissipates back to farmland and then to come back together. I think it's part of that overall magic that, that makes Bonnaroo Bonnaroo. That you
1: mentioned the experiences, and, I, and that's what I think we want to get into next. It it appears from again this this sort of regular outsider that there there have been a lot of phases. The early phases were getting the roads. Graded, the landscape graded so that the rain ran off the way it needed to, planting some trees, planting the grass that could withstand Building that,
0: that bridge from the what to the right yeah. The yeah. bridge <laughs> saving the, the world, saving my life and, with yeah, that bridge. The bridge. Um and then it the bathrooms.
1: It, the bathrooms. And then it seemed like it was the efforts were sort of into the VIP experiences. And the last two, maybe three years have been the general admission camp. The plazas. Uh, the plazas. The plazas. Uh, I mean, is that a fair assessment? Was it planned that way? I wouldn't say it was completely planned that
2: way. I mean, the infrastructure pieces were more from the standpoint of to make the site a better overall experience. Like no one's sitting there asking for what fescue. I think it's fescue. I'm, I'm hoping I'm quoting that right. Fescue grass. In Central and uh, the main venue where the, where the headline stage and, is at. I know, and I, um,
1: I write about it, it every year, Jeff. And I sit and I think I can't believe I'm writing about grass at a music festival. Yeah, but it's a big, it's a, it's it's key. You're not buying a you're not buying a ticket for the
2: fact that we got fescue out there, <laughs> right. but because we have fescue, yeah. we've got a grass that is more resilient, that soaks up water better, right. and just makes your
1: experience. That much better, yeah. plus, without you even thinking about it. You don't have dust it. and it's,
0: going into your. Plus, lungs. Yeah, plus <laughs> my putting game is a lot better on fescue. <laughs> I hate to say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think we we purposely did those things in terms of capex improvements on our site, and we call this the capital improvements on the, on the festival site. And they weren't they weren't from a standpoint of like this is going to sell us more tickets. It was this is going to help improve the overall experience. And though no one may talk about the grass, no one may even talk about the bathrooms uh, for that matter. It's the things that we have to do from a property standpoint to remain competitive, and so we had to invest in some of that stuff, some of it was like a desperate need, other you know other was uh, because you know just infrastructure to the land and, and just if we want to do more events on great Stage Park to if we do it, you know have weather and those types of, those types of things and boy, did you hit
0: a, and boy, did you hit a home run? Putting the lights in the trees oh, yeah, at yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those boy, were great. Boy, oh, boy, did that just change the entire feel, the entire feel of, of, of Bonnaroo. Yeah, those are great.
2: I I tell you it gives me joy to hear you say that. That's uh that was one of those as you can imagine, that's not a cheap decision. Oh my god, that's uh, the first
0: night we walked around the, the on Wednesday night when we got there, I looked around at Barry, we were walking through and the, the lights were moving, I'm like, Oh my god. Yeah. They, this is so expensive. <laughs> yeah. The amount yeah, yeah, these aren't <laughs> You spin. didn't
1: go get the $30 string over at the box <laughs> store. I, I, if, for people who haven't seen it, they're awesome. They really do change the whole.
0: Yeah, brand. it's a good move.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, 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 uh, we, we bought everything at a Costco that was there. <laughs> By
0: the way, that I hate to tell the infarous of, of the world, but that's probably the cost of a headliner. I hate to tell you, that's your headliner's lights one year. Okay, enjoy it. It's, it's
2: funny that you kind of say it because that's some of the decision making that we're having to, to ask ourselves. Do yeah. you, you spend more than that on talent? And, you know, nine times out of ten, any fan wants say put it on talent. Sure. But the feeling you get, the, the, how you are transported to another world, that's one of those thing, or immeasurable things that you can't put a price on. And, and, our, and our feeling was if we truly feel like Bonnaroo is this other universe when you, when you step into it, it's this magical place, then it has to have that feeling. It has to have that ambiance. Uh, to, to, to really, you know, catapult that. It was one of those decisions we're making, and we're, you know, plazas are another one, you know, in, in terms of how do we maintain that vibe and really look at the experience. And I, I think as long as we have maintained that competitive lineup and still continue to do crazy and awesome things like the Grand Old Opry, that, you know, in my opinion, other festivals can't touch just because, you know, of, of where we're at, we have to continue to push ourselves with with opportunities like lights, with opportunities like programming plazas and really making them a space. I mean, for the longest time, I want to say for over a decade now, we have done plazas. And the original uh, start of what we called pods was really centered around the point of still building that community. But we recognize when you came into the grounds driving and you're parking into your campsite, the big thing is like, where am I? Yeah. You, know, you know, what part of the, the, the fall am I on right now? So being able to launch those balloons in the air and have one of our pod ambassadors or our plaza ambassadors come out to say, hey, look up, you're at Plaza 9. And this rem- is where you're living the next few days. Yeah, remember Make this. Sure you pay attention to it. Yeah, because it's yeah, going to look differently at 2 in the morning. Security, <laughs> lost and found, all of this type of stuff. And so it was, for us, it was more informational and safety of why we started it, and there was always like a mini art project that we'd have going on out there. But once we started looking at RFID data and seeing when people were inside center versus staying out in the campgrounds, we started to realize our missed opportunity and where we have, uh, you know, where we can over-deliver here or start to step it up is the campgrounds. So before it was always that push of what else can we put in center room? What else, you know, what other feature can we add that's going to get people excited? And, uh, you know, it was really kind of looking at that data and saying, wait a minute, maybe we stop putting some stuff in center room and let's bring experiences to the people out in the campgrounds and give them an opportunity to explore their land and really check things out. And if we do things that are fun and inviting, Um, and exciting all throughout the plazas, now people can not only play in center room in the main venue, but they can go say, okay, what's happening at the Ville over at Plaza 7? What's going on at at House of Yes? What's happening, you know, last year you know, with Matt Schultz and his and his fun adventure uh, at a Plaza 9? You know, being able to check out these things as new and different experiences. And it, it's something that I think that we, we are constantly developing. And I think, you know, now we're having some fun, even more fun with it. And it's a matter, I think the biggest question we have what comes back, and what do we reinvent every year? It almost like it's a, it becomes a new lineup. To saying, we want people guessing what experience is going to be at Plaza Five this year. Last year it was this. What's it going to be this year? Right, like a random K. G. Elephant
0: show out of nowhere. How about that?
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: That's a great point about those chips on the on the wristbands that that, and being able to use that data. I didn't really think about you guys being able to fine tune it like that. Um, what was the number you told me last year, uh, percentage-wise, of people who are coming for the first time, or versus like every year?
2: My marketing team would probably get mad at me if I if I try to quote if you I try to quote this I know I'm going to misquote it. I, I want to say we have about fifty percent, fifty to sixty percent are returning Boneruvians. Yeah. Now that can be they came last year or at some other point. So I mean, we always say once a Bonnaroo. You know, once a Bonnaroovian, always a Bonnaroovian. So it could have been, you know, they came in 2002 and took some years off. So we have about 50 to 60 that are coming back every year. And then about 40 to 50 can be brand, new, brand new, a brand new audience that's coming in. And in, those numbers fluctuate. I mean, sure. you know, every year is a little bit different depending upon the lineup and, and what's going on. That would probably be an average.
0: I watched for the, uh, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this a lot over the next couple of months, but I watched the uh, Fire documentary on... Uh, Netflix yeah. and being in the industry that I'm in, I I knew exactly what was going on. I knew it while it was happening, before it happened. I had a buddy of mine who works at XM Radio, uh, literally sending me text message updates as he was sitting uh, on the side of the road waiting for a car and watching it back. I was. I was just sad and, and felt lonely and dirty. You know, it goes to show you that this kind of work is really, really hard. Like you said earlier, there are some festivals that do it really well, and there are some festivals that, you know, they're 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 just a music festival, and they put together a lineup. You guys have got to be pretty proud of not only the, the tenure that you have amassed, but to be able to really honestly say to somebody, we're going to be here for the next 10, 20 some odd years. Look at what we have built. Look at the things that we have already laid a foundation for. And we've thought about every little experience that you can have going from your car to your camp back to Sinaru. And we're trying to make this the best experience possible. It's just so it's a marked difference from something like i'm not going to just keep beating up on fire festival but somebody like that who thinks they can just whip up a music festival or a music festival that just sort of puts together a lineup and says here's some artists give us some money now we'll talk to you next year and
2: you know i mean that's the difference of working with professionals that have been doing this for you know for for years uh and it kind of specializes and i would we all make mistakes but i think it's kind of that understanding, you know, what you're good at. You know, no one's, no one's calling me up and asking me to, uh, you know, to, uh, to rewire their house. Why? Because it's not what I do, and and, and and having that would be, you know, having asking me to do that would be, you know, not smart. Um, I hated kind of seeing it happen as well, because uh, I think it it gives our industry a bad look. Well, Yeah, especially like when you see as many
0: as especially when you see as many festivals as we see shutting down these days. Uh, there, there's just, right. there's too many going to the quote unquote graveyard that are good experiences that are ran by pretty good people, but they just can't survive in this climate. It's
2: difficult. I mean, it really is. It's it's challenging. I think there's the the fun thing. Like if you ever think about producing a festival, go light a million dollars on fire in your backyard. Yeah. If that if yeah. that didn't turn you away, go light another million dollars on fire. And if you're still feeling okay about this, then uh, then we can start talking. But we're probably going to light a couple more million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: then go open uh, a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's hire Ja Um, Rule. He's available. (laughs) And not just, have you guys thought about every step that the Bonnaroovian takes while they're uh, on the property? Being the guy who is in charge of strategic partnerships and thinking about the revenue side of it, it's something that we'd have never actually talked about on this this show. I've been to a lot of music festivals, man, and some of my biggest complaints are, I feel like it's totally over-commercialized. I feel like every time I turn around, I'm getting hit in the face with some sort of ad. I'm getting hit
1: their hands or, in your pocket. Yes, yeah, that,
0: somebody's grabbing at my wallet every time I look around. The thing that I've always appreciated about Bonnaroo is that Bonnaroo never has felt too overly commercialized. Of course, we all understand you're there to make a, 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 a business out of this, make a profit, make some money. Why are you? Yeah, you don't just you're not just doing it for goodwill, but. You don't beat us up with trying to. Uh, it doesn't ever feel like it's overly commercialized and thrown in my face. Is that something that you guys I, pay specific attention to? As I say, I really appreciate hearing that comment. Uh, I mean, that
2: goes for you know for all the festivals we produce. We believe each brand, and, and of course, with Bonnaroo, that they there's a soul, and so when we do our partnerships, it's got to match with that soul. And some of them are you know obvious, easy matches. Like, of course, that works really well. Um, and then some are a little bit more challenging. But if the brand is willing to come in and help enhance the experience, so even if it's something you're just like, wow, that came out of left field, I didn't see how that matched in, you know, with the festival experience, but they're able to make it work, then then I think we have an opportunity there. It's the conversations that you can't have when a, a brand or a partner is like, this is our vision, this is what we want to do, we can't, you know, we're not changing then it's like, well, then we don't have a partnership. Yeah. So to have the partnership, we have to have that give and take because we have fans and an audience that is coming for a specific reason. And if, you can't, if you're not a part of that reason, then we're going to have a real challenge here, and it's not going to be worth it at the end of the day for either one of us. We're going to make our fans angry, and you're going to be unhappy with the results. Yeah. So it's taken time to build trust with both. Uh, from our fans and, you know, with, with the brands and the partners that we work with. And that brand partnership goes more than just, you know, your, your simple consumer packaged goods or something along those lines. This goes with the community. That's this right. goes with government. This goes with all of the, you know, the, the various partners because that's how we look at it. Anybody who is, is working with us to produce this event, uh, they're a potential partner. We have to approach it that way. And I think it we have sometimes it's been difficult. You know, all of us here, are, you know, we are a for profit business, so we are trying to make money. And sometimes we've had to say, okay, doing it this way would make us more money in the short term. But we've always felt like in the long term, that's going to cost us fans, it's going to cost us the trust that we've built, and could cost us other potential partners. That would see that as a, a deviation from who we are. And have we made mistakes over the years? Of course we have. You know, we're, we are we're human. Uh, we've taken some chances uh, on things that you know we thought would work, and you know, some things didn't. And then we've taken chances on things that you know worked beyond our wildest dream. And I think really were, you know, successful. Uh, you know, I think one of our more recent partnerships that you know kind of comes to the top of my head is the one we had with LG doing the laundromat. You know, that was something that was. <laughs> Completely different, but it hit a pain point for fans. You know, you're out on the farm for, for several days, right. and it's hot. Yeah. You, know, you may have gotten wet, you may have got dusty and you know maybe you need your clothes washed.
0: Yeah Here's And, as,
2: and know, as a marketing and for,
0: something that works. Let's, let me just cut straight to the chase. Do they come to you with that idea or do you guys have this idea and then you sort of f- try to find the right partner for it?
2: There, there are various ways these things come about. Sometimes it is uh, from like we've got an idea for an activation or you know something and then we'll start going to talk to brands that we've got relationships with or partners that we have relationships with. And then I'd say vice versa. We know who's out there, and they're coming to us saying, hey, we'd love to get in the experiential world mm. uh, and want to talk about you know, creating custom opportunities. So um, it, it comes from both sides. Mm. And so the, the best relationship is when we know they want to to play in the experiential space, and uh, we get to work together in determining what their goals and objectives are, what ours are, and how we can align those two to be successful in a festival environment. Um, And that's, you know, I I think that's that's, that's a proof in case with the LG example. It was aligning both of those and then being able to come up with a really cool idea. It's a really good idea. uh, satisfying satisfies
1: it across the board. So Jeff, I keep thinking of some something that sort of ties a lot of this together. We see your relationship with Manchester and Coffee County and how that has worked, working with the government, working with roads, electric, I mean all of that. Uh on a smaller scale though, you guys brought Moon River here to Chattanooga this past uh fall, and we saw a lot of that, a lot of work excuse me, a lot of work Mm -hmm. with our government, our street, our public works. And just one of the examples that I could think of is you put the same or similar lighting into the trees over there. And the day before I happened to be there when somebody said, wouldn't it be cool if the aquarium could use the same light (laughs) scheme that we're putting in the trees and a phone call was made. And then the aquarium had the same, I think it was blue and red light colors Mm -hmm. uh, over the weekend Just those kind of examples is one of those things that, in the grand scheme is probably not huge. It's not, you know, that it's not the lineup, like we said, but it's the kind of thing that just adds to the whole experience that as Brad was saying, you know, some people book a lineup, they rent a field or they get a farm and they put stages up and there's your festival. You guys yep. go a little bit beyond that. And that, that is the example that keeps running keeps running through my head. As you were talking about matching those lights is a small thing, you know, at the end of the day, but it was, it was a big thing. Cause it was so cool.
2: You're, you're right. And it goes back to, I, I love to, to, to state that part of our role as a festival is to provide a positive, lasting experience in the community that we're doing business. Knowing that, you know, we have the ability to make that positive impact and, and have it reverberate for years to come. So whether it's, you know, a one-year, one-off festival or, you know, it's a place that we're trying to build, um, you know, an annual event. Um, laying that groundwork and working with the community from, you know, as high level as the governor all the way down to local residents is, is critical. And understanding and hearing what pain points they may have. But when we're able to do awesome things like, the, you know, like your example there, I think it helps to align that community investment. So even though we're not doing something directly with the aquarium, it's the aquarium's recognition of there's something successful going on there, we're now kind of invested in it and it's a better thing for our community. You know, there's gonna be tax revenue, there's going to be heads in beds, there's going to be all of those things, people that are coming to Chattanooga that have never been to Chattanooga before and now may say, Hey, maybe I should move here, exactly. maybe I should open a business here. Exactly. And you know, we you know, kind of circling back to even Manchester. I wanna say that off the top of my head, I know at least of three businesses that have opened up in Manchester because of the festival industry and the music of what we created there, that never would have been there beforehand. So it's that company relocating, having jobs for people, and giving back to the local economy. You know, producing festivals provides that. I mean, you know, that's even stepping away from, like, the economic impact, the heads in beds, you know, the the local restaurants, and, I mean, even, you know, the the package stores like Walmart and and Home Depot that are, are, uh, you know, receiving impact from sales and things along those lines. It, it's all a part of it. And I think there is a sense of community pride when they see a successful event happen, even if it, has, even if it disrupts their daily life when it comes to traffic or whatever it may be. Um, no, they uh, yeah, I mean. The fact of, wow, this is a good thing for my community. And because I want to see my community grow and prosper, and maybe I don't want taxes to go up. I want things like this
0: to happen. Well, Yeah, I mean, look at the Bonnaroo Works Fund. I mean, look at the things you guys have created with that in Manchester. Manchester's quite happy that you guys are there. You guys do a lot for that community.
2: And, like, we've got a great partnership with with uh, Manchester Coffee County and the entire state, you know, for that matter. It's it's been it's an absolute pleasure working with um, with like I said, everyone from from the governor's office down to down to our local residents.
0: Man, Jeff, we can't say how much we appreciate <laughs> you uh, sticking with us this long. Uh, it's Absolutely. been a phenomenal chat. I just have a couple of odds and ends to wrap us up. Go for it. Um, These are really easy, quick ones. The lineup came out day by day this year. Yes. There's got to be a specific reason why. Um, For us, I think,
2: how are we able to tell the story in terms of what our lineup looked like? And, you know, we've had the same challenges I think everyone else had. as like, you've got... Your, your larger font, your top lines, and then it, like kind of everything else uh, below it. And it's before it's been a challenge of being able to do something like the day, uh, being able to you know, show who's playing what day, uh, just because some of those pieces are still moving around. Um, and we've been fortunate enough that, you know, as festivals are, are, you know, the landscape has changed. A lot of this stuff is more, you know, I would say hammered out before, mm-hmm. before we even got to the point of line about So we actually had the opportunity to do it this year. But um, this actually came from our designers uh, and our, our marketing team saying, hey, let's take a look at it like this. Mm-hmm. We've seen this before, and we think it's a more powerful story. And then once they laid it out, it was like, Oh my God, this is, this is how we have to, we know that people are going to ask about this. And I think part of our, from a marketing standpoint, we've said, you've got your lineup. And then we've made a tent pole moment out of telling people what day artists are playing on. Mm -hmm. And then another tent pole moment of, uh, you know, the exact schedule. Um, and so part of our thought process was, you know, let's get this information out sooner. I think it'll help in the decision-making process. And then, you know, specifically how we had, you know, fish coming across multiple days doing multiple sets. It helps tell a story in a different way.
0: Well I'm glad and, you brought I'm um, glad I'm glad you brought up fish because that's my second odds and end. Explain yeah. the difference between fishes set from two thousand nine to what they're expected to do this year. Because the wording is different. And I've been having these arguments with people that something about this year's specific fish doing two different days seems different than what was put on in 2009. Am I wrong about that?
2: Uh, I'll say in true Fish fashion, expect your mind to be blown. Mm -hmm. I mean, these guys are amazing, talented artists that, that does not win me an argument, Jeff. Decades. That does
0: not do anything for me winning an argument. The, the reason, I, the reason I, I ask... I can't tell you all the secrets. Okay, well, the reason I ask is because the way the 2009 was set up is they did a late-night set on Friday up until, like, mm-hmm. 3 o'clock in the morning, and then they did two sets on Sunday night. So the the way that it was set uh, in 2009 the wording was insert thing here but in this in this lineup Sunday says two sets. When it was never billed as two sets in 2009 even though they played two sets. Yeah, you see what I, I have know to I'm good put up in the weeds with, yeah. here. I know I'm good in the weeds here, but I'm wondering if that's a, there's a specific reason why the language is different this year than it was in 2009.
2: Uh, I mean, specifically on the two set side, I think it, that means something to fish fans. Okay, so I mean, you go you go back and kind of say what you know what that entails. They they know, uh, you know, as, as fish fans, I think if it were to be one set, it, it meant it would mean
0: something different okay. than two sets. Okay, then the Friday so, uh, now it's ma- more for. My 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 thought yeah. was Friday may be a fish sort of uh, super jam. Friday may be one of those moments where they start bringing a bunch of people on stage.
1: I'm a bet I don't one know. of them will be.
0: Yeah. I bet. Yeah. One you'll of
2: ha, you'll of them have to well, uh, you'll have to come to see.
0: Well, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, <laughs> and then the and then the final final question for you uh final odds and then any picks for your weekend other than like the, the stuff that we know. Is there anything that that jumped out at you in the lineup? I mean, there's one big one.
2: I, I'm really excited to see what we're going to do with the Grand Old Opry this year. Me too. Uh, uh, I really I like think, that. Yeah, I thought that
0: was—I thought that was a stroke of genius. By the way, putting that on Thursday. Yeah, uh,
2: yeah, that was. A, I think that's going to be a great, a great, a great setup, and having it on Thursday is a special place for them to be. Uh, I have not seen Saba live, so to see that one, I'm I'm kind of excited about. I'm a huge childish Gambino fan. Uh, I went and saw him in um, in Atlanta when he opened up for his tour, and uh, I mean, I think he, he quoted, we saying, you know, get ready because I'm taking you guys to church." And it was it was just a spectacular show, and, and I've seen him, you know, a couple of times at the farm, uh, and now to have him back on the main stage—that's probably the show I'm most excited to see. Girl Talk—I I mean, I can't remember the last time Girl Talk played, but every time it is—it is a party, uh, and I look forward to those types of parties, <laughs> even, even the older that I get. Yeah. Uh, Lonely Island—you know, really, really excited about that one. Jim James always been a you know huge. Jacket fan, and just what Jim is doing. Maren Morris, uh, what she's doing right now is, is fantastic.
0: Oh, man, her new um, single's great.
2: Yeah, Tokyo Monster, um, excited about that one. This the, is a good list. This is yeah, a good group.
0: Yeah, Hobo Johnson
2: and the Lovemakers, that's one of those that's kind of caught on quickly. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by it. It's just, it's not something I'm kind of used to, so I'm, I'm, I'm more or less um, really yeah. intrigued. And then I think probably my last one that really caught me uh, is Princess.
0: I really like that play. Uh, with, I think princess. I think princess is a really fun poll. Really out of really out of their box. I think. Finally, to your to your point about Childish Gambino, what I love about uh, Bonnaroo and what we've talked about a lot is how they take artists that they really believe in, and no matter where they are in their career, they sort of put them under their wing, and then they they carry them for as long as they need to. Uh, Childish Gambino, I don't care what anybody says, Childish Gambino is a Bonnaroo artist. Uh, he can go to any festival he wants to, but he's Bonnaroo's.
2: I love that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I remember seeing him in a tent the first year, and it was funny. Like, I had, I had listened to him before, but I had, for some reason, no idea it was Donald Glover. And I walked into the tent, I'm like, what's Donald Glover doing on stage? <laughs> and I'm like, that's Childish. Like, it just kind of, like, connected for me at that point in time. And. After that I was even more of a, a super fan than I'm already already am. Right.
1: Hey Jeff, go. I I thought we would spend a lot of time talking about the experiences and and this has been so interesting. We haven't really Wonder if maybe as it gets closer to festival, we might have you back on, and we can talk about some of uh, not just what's going to happen, but how people might look at experiencing it and all that.
2: I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. there's some there's some good stuff that um, we're kind of in the process of uh, of kind of dotting an our eyes and crossing our teeths to get it nailed down. Um, that, that's going to be exciting, even from the. the the details surrounding the ville coming back this year, there's there's just some some really creative things happening. I'm I'm probably I'm probably I am probably do not want to say more giddy about that, but I, uh, some of the ideas that are that are currently happening and if they come to fruition this year um, are going to be awesome.
0: I would love to dive deeper into them yeah. as we get closer, mainly because me and Barry for the first time in probably 12, 13 years went out to GA and uh, GA camping yeah. and experience what you guys were, were selling, and we loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. It's so well done. It was well to be done. avoided at all costs prior. Uh, oh, my God. Now, <laughs> like, I got back to the camp at one one night, and I was like, I sort of just want to go back out to GA. It's <laughs> like, well, why am I back here with you losers? I, uh... <laughs> but, yeah, it's a really, really well done thing, and, and uh, once you guys have it all set and ready to go, well, I'd love to deep dive into that again. Let's do it. Jeff. Thank we'll, you so much. We'll talk soon. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah. So you gave Thank us you. My pleasure. A lot of fun. Thanks, Jeff. All right, there you go. Jeff from AC Entertainment. Could not have been nicer and more courteous with his time. Endless amount of uh, gratitude for him spending as much time as he did
1: with us today. Yeah, that was that
0: was terrific.
1: I've gotten to know Jeff over the years because he's sort of the media go-to person on site anyway, and, and another person that I talked to for the, my job with the paper. Uh, but what he gave us today with this is, Tremendous. Like you said, absolutely yeah. tremendous and yeah. very entertaining. And uh, I think he had a lot of fun as well, which makes it even better.
0: They don't always have fun with us. No. No, not everybody has fun no, with we us. We make it hard yeah. on people. Yeah, <laughs> very difficult. <laughs> hey, we'd love to get your feedback, thewhatpodcast.com or What underscore podcast on Twitter. Of course, it's the same place you can enter for tickets to Bonner. They've been gracious enough to give us a pair to give away to you, the What Podcast listener. All you got to do is comment on our website, The thewhatpodcast.com. Dot com. Rate, review, share it. And hopefully we'll see you again next week on The What. See you then. Thanks, guys.
2: Hey, 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 hey. How y'all Journey through the stories that define the artists playing Bonnaroo. Who are they? What are they? What will you see? The What. Which bands? This year, that matter? With Brad Steiner and Barry Corder.